He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And it's Kentucky Derby week. Are you excited? I am. This is a very strong field of three-year-olds. The card is going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to have a full workout report for the entire Oaks and Derby uh, and undercard. I've got a, I'm going to be spending a whole day just writing those works up. Very excited. Um, don't worry about the weather yet. I know I've seen some of you on social media gripping already, handicapping from mud. Stop it. Just stop it right now. Put your pencil down. Put your, put your markers down. Stop looking for mudders. It's almost like that commercial about new homeowners, you know, you know, turning into their parents kind of commercial. I need you to stop. Don't do that. Because this track dries very quickly. And then all of a sudden, your handicapping is all for naught. So just stay tuned. But if rain stops on Friday, you're going to have a fast and uh, uh, main track and you don't have to worry about wet conditions. Got a special show for you today. We're going to be all be talking about derby horses and how they, their trips is going to affect them into the derby. Let me go find Brian Lazarica. You know him as Laz. Let's bring him on. Let me bring on my man, the guy that never sleeps and all he does is watch for scene and he's a consummate professional and one of my good friends brian lazarica last how you doing buddy not too bad it's great to be on with you bruno it's always a pleasure to uh kick some stories around with you and, and delve into uh anything horse racing all right so now that we have gone through the pleasantries uh Let's talk Derby. What about that? You've done a lot of work for us on trip notes. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what you found on trip notes uh, that, on, on the Derby. Take it away. Well, you know what? I'll start, I'll start with some prices that, that kind of caught my eye. We, we went through uh, putting together – um, we combed through their last trips is what I did uh, leading up to all the Derby and the Oaks contenders, uh, all the actually entrants. Um, and I'll start with a few prices that kind of stuck out in their last race and the way they're progressing towards the race. I'll start off first with Charge It. I mean, you're, you're well-versed in Charge It. You know his antics. You know he's, you know he's been a bit green. His last start coming out of the gate, you know, he brushed the gate. He was put into the race. He kind of lost focus coming around the quarter pole when he got off the bridle. And he had to be, you know, pushed back into it. But then he started running again. And then he started playing around in the stretch, ducking in and out what he does. So the talent's there with him. I mean, we, we obviously can see that. You know, the mental aspect is what's, is what's going to be an issue with him if he tries to put it all together for this race. I mean, you're going to be getting somewhere in the, in, the, in the near, I mean, in the, in the realm of 20 to 1, somewhere around there. Um, you know, he's worth a shot. Just taking it on talent-wise. Um, I think he's he's something that's actually stood out. I'll go from there and I'll go to Smile Happy. Uh, you know, with let me, let's rep. stop. Let, let, let's let's talk about Char, Charge It. Do you? He's the kind of horse that you know. He's a tappet first of all, so that's not a surprise to me or you. Um, second of all, um, 
he's he, he he might be better when he gets the lead because he is only three time raced three times and that was his first time around two turns. And I got to tell you, I watched the replay too, and I totally agree with you. I also thought that Tyler Gaffleone messed with him, boxing him that putting keeping him inside, and then running away from him on wide barrio. And you can almost see how charge it was surprised uh, uh, his his own uh, mental incapacity at that time to process it was quite interesting. And then, like you said, he lost focus. He picked it up again. He ran in spots. But that's a great observation you made. But you know what's a, you know exactly what you're saying. And to further that, if you look somewhere around, I believe it was heading into the far turn, somewhere around the three eighths nearing the quarter. Like you're saying about Tyler, Tyler had him inside, and Saez kind of realized at that point that he didn't want to be inside when he got off the bridle, and he tilted him out at a crucial point there around the quarter, and he put him out in the clear, and that's when he started to pick it up again. Like it just, he saw some daylight, and something kind of clicked. He goes, I got to go get these horses. So once he did that subtle move, he started to pick it up. So I think Saez is is going to try to make some sort of concerted effort to keep him somehow into the clear and any point where he can get outside. If he can, I think he's going to do that. So you're going to be looking for him to get outside and get away from kickback. That's, that's what Saez, I think, learned as he's progressing, these three trips that he's ridden him now, that he thinks he wants to be outside. All right. What do you got, also? What else you got? Smile happy. I mean, smile happy. We know how good he was last year, you know, when he came and he won uh, at Churchill, and you know how he's come across. And he kind of, you know, took some time you know, to, to, to show up this year. And he, he's, he's kind of slowly, he hasn't done anything flashy. I mean, he came back in the risen star. He looked kind of a little flat and he chased up at center home. Then he came in the bluegrass and the bluegrass trip was interesting to me is that Lannery also wanted, Lannery kind of got stuck outside the whole trip. He, he, it's just out in the clear. He, he just, he didn't really, it just seemed like he didn't really want he didn't, he didn't have any other options. But it just seemed like Smile Happy seems like he's more comfortable kind of covered up. He's the opposite of charges. And he didn't get any of that in the bluegrass. And he still ran well. I mean, he hit the front, and then he got run down by Zandis, who, who Zandis, we'll talk about him in a minute. But Smile Happy ran a better-than-looked race. I mean, I know it was a second. I know he was 9-5. to five. He was the favorite in there. And, he, you know, people were hoping that he, he, you know, he put it all together there. But I think he's coming along slowly, and I think, He's just he's coming up the right way this right now. If he can get some sort of a trip, I mean, I know we're going to keep saying this over and over. I mean, the Derby is, you know, has a lot to do with who's going to get the best trip. But he if he can so he's proven over Churchill, and if he can somehow get any sort of a trip, another one that's going to be around twenty to one. He's he's the talent is there, and if he can do that, I think he's worth a shot as well. What do you think about Smile? What have you seen from Smile? He, he, um, he's kind of quirky, isn't he? Um, it's almost. I, I thought in he's got a limited run and you have to sit on him and move at the right time because he made the winning move in the bluegrass. But it seems that he gets to a certain point, especially if he gets the lead, he starts wondering, he starts looking around. Um, and knowing a little bit about Run Happy, how Run Happy had his own mind, uh, things that you had to – um, you had to negotiate through. Uh, I'll never forget sitting at Saratoga, watching him, you know, and Edgar Prado take 30 minutes just to go to the pole to work. Um, and I just wonder if he's got a little bit of that 
mentality in him. Because what I've seen in his works, if you watch his works, you'll notice, like, for example, Tis the Bomb or other horses uh, on his outside or inside, and he doesn't put out until he gets near the wire. And then near the wire, he seems to prick that little left ear up and pick it up again and come back and have a lot left on the gallop out. I, I got to think he's got, you know, I hate to say it, commonness in him that he wants to goof around, but he also seems to be a very secure horse that he's not worried about the horse on the outside being in front of him until he decides that he doesn't want him in front of him. It's like I say about my dog Joe. I think he's okay until he's not okay with another dog. You know, <laughs> you just don't know. They hide their emotions very, very well. That's good. That's interesting. That's interesting on, on him. I haven't seen him much in the morning, so that's, that's good to also get that aspect of it to see how he, you know, plays well with others, you know, so to speak. The other price that I wanted to talk about, Bruno, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen him in the morning out there, and I'm interested to see what you think about him as well, is Cyber Knights. The Arkansas Derby was a weird race. It, it was, it was in, in some respects, it kind of was, it was a start, stop, and then start again race, which wasn't, isn't too, you know, isn't too common in, in North American dirt races. They went really quick early, and then when they, they came up to the backside, they all just started to clump up in that second quarter. So the horses that were far back early just came up on heels. And Cyberknife was up early. I think, um, I think the rider, uh, Florent Guru, wanted to get close early, but he just he didn't want to get in that battle. So he kind of fell into a good trip when they went on to the backside, and then all of a sudden it backed up, and he had a decision to make. If he was going to take a hold and sit, or he was going to go through a little hole, one off, the, one off the leader that was there, and he took it, and he made that move. So by this point, going by the half, he had already made two moves. He went up early and fought it out early, sat back, and then made another move into the pace, and then kind of was able to relax as they came around this far turn, which was huge, because he got, actually, they pulled two, there were two horses at that point that just kind of got away from the pack. And then he was able to take a little bit of a breath at that point. And then when the real running started once again, when they turned for home, he hit another gear. And you could see, we, I mean, we both know he's, he's the epitome of quirky. I mean, he runs in and out. He got disqualified first time out. I mean, he, he likes to run in and out. He, he, he's, he's another one that doesn't really have it all upstairs. But the talent is there as well. And he showed another gear, and he kicked away again. So to me, he made three different moves in that race. He made a move early to get into contention. He made another move to get right back to the top. And then he made another move to open up in the stretch. So I'm interested to see what you think about Cyberknife as well. <clears throat> Uh, that is a very, very astute uh, observation. And I'll tell you what I saw. As I took a sip of water, I almost uh, started coughing. Um, a lot of the times, you see this in New York a lot, they'll speed off to the lead, and then they'll throw the anchor out. And they'll back up. Martin Pedroza was like the king of it in California in his heyday. He would hustle his horse out of there, hit the turn, and then hammer lock him. And everybody would run up right up into his heels. And you see that a lot in New York as well. And I think that's what they did um, in the Arkansas Derby. And that's what caused the problem with we the people getting, you know, basically shuffled back. It caused problem with secret oath. And secret oath, even exactly. though secret oath, yeah, secret oath. That that was just a bad ride. 
And 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 I'm glad to see Luis Contreras off our back. Um, but you, you hit it right on the head. The key to it was how Cyberknife was going to handle that because now he was inside of everybody. Usually, Farhan Sharu likes to have him three wide because he knows his mentality, at least as a unseasoned horse early in his career. And I thought, wow, let's see what Cyberknife does inside. And Florence Giroux puts him right between horses. And there wasn't a whole lot of room there. I went and watched the head-on. There wasn't a there whole lot of room. And he got pinballed. Yeah, he got pinballed a little bit. He never wavered, never lost stride, never did anything. And, in fact, he found more to be able to get away from that situation. So you always think, okay, you used your horse early. You put him in a bad position. Mentally, you're expanding a lot of energy. Let's see how you respond later. And he just kept finding more and more. And I, I really was impressed with him because of what I knew what he was as a earlier three-year-old and a late two-year-old. So uh, I, I, I was at Saratoga the day he worked out 47 and change out of the gate. And he had been behind the gate for 20 minutes, didn't want to load. And he finally works, and he ends up working well. And on the gallop out, he starts goofing off again, where you can say he's not paying attention. He trips over himself, almost unseats the rider, which was one of the most iconic scenes that I've seen ever. As the rider almost goes over his head, he's able to gain his balance and get back in the saddle, looks up to the heavens and does the cross. Uh, he does the, the, you know, the cross on himself. Uh, with his left hand because he just about went over the top of, of Cyberknife. And, I, and, and I, I'll never forget that because it really told me a lot about the horse and it really told me a lot about the rider and it gave me an opportunity to be able to follow the horse and follow his mental um, progression. And, of course, he ran first time out at Churchill. He lugged in into – I want to say it was – it's either Brigadier General or another horse, I can't remember, another steward that took a hold the gold, I think it was. It might have been one of those two. And he bumped him. He won the race, and he got DQ'd justifiably so. And he kept doing it. And I really was waiting for him for him to do it, and he hasn't done it. And he has really moved forward mentally. And whoever made that decision to put – the first Saturday in May at the time to run the Kentucky Derby was a genius because that brings that really brings together the late blooming three the late blooming late developing uh, seasoning of the three year olds with the with the two year olds phenoms that maybe are now being uh, that now the three year olds are catching up with. So yeah, it was that's, really interesting. That's a good catch. Yeah, that is that is a good comparison when you get. You know, when you get the precociousness that starts to wear off on these two-year-olds and the others start to catch up, you're kind of right in the middle there where they're, they're meeting. You know, one, one's going up and one's going, you know, maybe plateaued. So it's always interesting to see, you know, horses, how they progress, especially mental-wise. As, we, as we've talked about in the past, you know, a lot of these, you know, trips that we look into or a lot of these horses in the morning that we look at, it, it's a lot is not talked about their mental aspect of it. I mean, of the physical attributes that they show – you know, we all can see that and we can see they can overcome certain things, but the mental aspect is something like we've talked about it. It's, it's the final frontier, I think. And, and that's something that needs to be, 
you know, just delved into more and more and more because each, each horse is different. I mean, there's like every person is different. You know, you get into them and you start to kind of figure them out like the trainers do and the riders do and the handicappers do the same thing. So that's, that's and, and, another aspect. And, and on that particular line of thinking, we can go back to Smile Happy. Maybe he was just a very precocious two-year-old that everybody's caught up with him now. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So, uh, what, do you, what else you got? Well, the last one I'm going to look at is going to be one of the favorites. I mean, it's actually the morning line favorite is Vanden. And basically, it all boils down to, to just one phrase for me, for him. I mean, you can look at his, his first four starts. I mean, you can see the progression from him. But one phrase that comes to mind when I've seen all his races is battle-tested. And that's something that you look at for these horses when they're coming into 20-horse fields. They're going to be in a 20-horse field. It's, you know, you're going to run into traffic. You're going to run into, you know, you're going to get bumped around. It's not going to be an optimal, you know, scenario for you and for any of them. You know, basically, it, it, they're all going to have to overcome something at a certain point. And Zandon, to me, in the Remsen, you know, he fought with Modonical. He got bumped around. We, you know, we've all seen the incident with, you know, coming down to the wire and all that. And he got nipped. He took some time off. Came back in the Risen Star, ran a better-than-look third after hopping at the start and everything. And then in the bluegrass, when you look at the bluegrass, you just look at it on paper and you look at it in the form and it looks like, oh, well, you know, he sat back and he made a move. You know, that's what it looked like on the past performances. But it was more than that. You know, he had to navigate through, you know, a lot of traffic. And that's what he's going to have to do on Saturday. He's going to have to go through that. And he did it. He did it where wherever – Pratt wanted to go in that race. He he hit those holes, and that's what you're also going to have to do on Saturday. He took him to the places that he needed to go to and went through at the eighth hole. He got in a little bit of a little bit of a bump from the outside. He went right through that, and then he showed another. He still had something left to keep going, and he ran by Smile Happy. Like I said, if if you think like I said, the only term that comes to me is battle tested when you come to me. You need to have a horse that has the makeup and you can, you know that he's going to be able to run through adversity that he's going to face. And that basically what it comes down to, to me with Zandon. With Zandon, he's, he's interesting because I thought in the Remsen, he moved to maybe a, a little too early. It almost was like the race of early voting and Mo Donegal where uh, early voting opened up and Mo Donegal came and got him late. I do also you know, I have to acknowledge that Irad Ortiz came all the way over down to the inside to Johnny Velasquez and really intimidated Zandon. And I, I really believe that Zandon has moved forward since then. Um, he has become a much more resolute runner. Um, his bluegrass was good because Azeriel um, Road was on the outside with Luis Contreras uh, and came in and bumped. I want to say there was a horse in between, and I can't remember who that is right now. But he came down, bumped that horse, and that horse bumped, the, uh, took out the hind end of Zandon, who seemed like to be propelled by it and, and and took off again to run down Smile Happy, who, again, I thought was maybe idling up front. Um, Zandon has done everything right, uh, and he's got a writer that really sees the, the, 
the field in front of him really well. Uh, Pratt is very good about getting in a position. Uh, Chad Brown was talking about that this morning and how he gets in a position and he's able to, to, to view. The great writers uh, can see a 16th of a mile ahead of them. The average writers can't see a 16th of a mile ahead of them or behind them. Um, and that sometimes is the difference between winning or losing. If you can see and know where everybody is and have an idea where you're going to go and where the room is going to be a 16th of a mile out from that spot, that's what makes you a great rider. And Flavian Pratt has that. He does that very, very well on any surface. So Zandon is definitely a player. But like you said, if he's going to have to deal with horses coming back, getting tired in his face, and he's going to go around three, four wide, five wide, uh, that doesn't really sometimes work at Churchill. You've got to put yourself in a position to get up to that quarter pole and, and be in, 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 in striking position. And sometimes you may not have to you, – you can't even be afraid of going inside, a la Ferdinand, a la Street Sense. Yeah, I agree with that. When it comes to touch a little bit more on Flavian, I've, you know, being based in, in Southern California, I've seen him, you know, from the time that he arrived. And the thing to me that just separates him from, I mean, you know, 99.9% of the riders that are out there now is his decision-making early in races. I mean, I, I've seen him, obviously, at Santa Anita, sometimes you don't get the biggest fields, but he can make, he's quicker to make early decisions, whether it's going, you know, three quarters of a mile or a mile and a half. Once they break out of there, he'll look to his left or his right, or he'll already know, and he'll be in the, you know, he'll put, he'll put himself in the best spot possible within the first, you know, 16th of a mile. He'll already be there. And that sets the tone for the rest of the trip. I mean, his horse, he usually has his horse in a comfortable position to let the horse do it from there. And that, you know, you get a lot of these trips where horses are, you know, kind of off slow or they kind of start to, you know, get a little wacky in their head where they start to scramble. And, you know, he gives them the opportunity to not worry about that and just be able to exert their physical dominance if that's what it comes down to. So that not, not having to worry about the rider is a huge part of it. And, you know, and I think Chad Brown has, and Chad Brown has seen that. And that's why he's got Flavian Pratt um, out here. Um, you make a point about riders. Um, he's very quick at making a decision. Um, some of the lesser riders, you seem to, they, they, they react too late. Like, for example, they open up. They're not very quick to be able to look over. And I, I, I'm not a rider. I, I wouldn't be able to do what they do anyway. But you can watch and you can see it that sometimes they're reacting a little too late when, when, when a horse gets on their outside. And then you see the top riders immediately react when before that and get a jump on all the horses. So um, it, it's really interesting sometimes watching riders and understanding who they are and what they are. I agree. And, and like I said, when, you know, neither, neither one of us are ever going to be on top of a horse in that position. So kudos to them for doing that. But to elaborate on that point, I like to say that other riders, riders that you're talking about like that, that you just made mention of, are, get, are letting their horses get ridden by other riders in a race. That's what I like to say. It's because if you aren't going to make a you know, decisive decision early, somebody else in that race is going to make it for you, and they're going to put you in a tight spot, or they're going to float you out. You know, they're, they're going to make your decisions for you, and by that time that you're ready to react, you're already in a bad spot. They put you there, 
and they know what they're doing, and then you're going to have to go from there. By that time, it's too late usually. So it's definitely a, a good point on that. Now, I know that and, – uh, and, and, and that's exactly what I was saying about Luis Contreras. He is that kind of writer. And I and, and on speaking on Secret Oath, let's talk about her real quick. Secret Oath, uh, what do you think of the writer change, and how is that going to affect her? I mean, if when the product comes out, you know, my, my trip, basically my end note on that was, you know, just to go back to the Arkansas Derby, um, was a nightmare trip. I mean, if anybody that watches that, you don't even have to be any sort of a horse racing expert. You can just be a novice and watch trips, and you'd already know that that was terrible. I mean, she just was – she had a little trouble out of the gate. He wasn't very aggressive, and she got pinched early, which already set the tone for what was going to happen later on. She didn't hold her position. She wasn't allowed to. And then she started to get into that thing on the backside where they backed up. And he just got, he got packed. He got packed four or five wide going into the backside. And, and already at that point, you're, you're behind the eight ball. Then he decided to make the decision going up to about the three eighths to take out of a four wide spot to come around five wide. And I mean, obviously when you're pushing the button against those horses, after what you've already had to endure, you're not going to have much for the stretch. So for her to get, to where she was and still keep coming at cyber knife and trying to hold off Barbara road and all that was a tremendous effort by her. Now, what I, my biggest question about that, Bruno, and you, you know, you're going to probably, you know, this is another question that maybe you've seen her since, and you can, you know, kind of get into this more, but when you get a Philly like that running against the boys or any horse for that matter, that, you know, it was a taxing effort, you know, for her to put all that together and overcome all that and still run third. How did she come out of that race? No, you know that that's a taxing effort. You know that she's a nice filly. I mean, you know that she can run. How does she come back out of such, you know, out of such a tough race? How does she bounce back, you know, in, 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 in a month to run big again? Well, How does she do that? Well, people are going to have to, for that one, I'm going to refer them to the workout report because I'm going to be very, I was very um, blunt in my opinion of her. Um, I will say this. If you watch if you watch at the Reels Road Bluegrass Stakes effort with Luis Contreras, identical trip, except he didn't quite get as much shuffle back. He did get he broke well. He put himself in he, he but he didn't pursue breaking well and got himself caught wide. And then he, he did exactly what he did with her. He started to, to try to figure out where he was going to go, and he gets him shuffled back. Again, once again, too late. Uh, uh, his stop process was way too late. And then at the 3-8 ball, he decides, I'm just going to send five wide and makes his big move. So it is, it's a typical Luis Contreras move. And I think, so, you know, and I, and I hate to put it this way, but I'm going to just say it. Some riders are best when they don't think. When you put yep. him on a horse, that they put him, you can put him on the lead or put him in a spot where they don't have to think, I think you're a lot better off. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, I think there's tremendous I, – I think you could say that about any athlete in any sport. When they get to react to what's happening, they're the best. Is when you ask a quarterback to think or you ask a pitcher to think, maybe that gets when they get themselves in trouble. Yeah, the reactionary time, the instinct, you know, is what plays a major part in, in every athlete, especially in horse racing, because you have, you know, these things, you know, these decisions that you have to make, and you're out there, you know, with 10 other guys, 10 other horses, 1,000-pound animals with their own minds, 
you know, you have to make decisions at multiple points. And, and you know, if you, you have the instinct to go the right places, I mean, that's, that's half the battle right there, more than half the battle, you know. So that's, right. that's a really exactly. Yeah, what so go back to Louis Saez taking over. Yeah, Louis Saez taking over. I mean, that's an obvious monster rider upgrade. Um, you know, Louis is, you know, Louis basically is, you know, a top five rider to me in the country. I mean, you know, easily. You know, he's, he's aggressive when he needs to be. You know, he's an amazing finisher. I mean, he can go, he can do it all. I mean, he can go to the front, he can back him up, he can come from off the pace, and, you know, he can ride with the best of them. So going from, you know, Luis Contreras to, you know, Luis Saez is, you know, that's a that's a big, big upgrade. What else you got for us? Uh, you know, I'm in the Oaks, I, I, honestly, I, it's, to me, I honestly think that to, it's Kathleen O. I mean, I, her... Her races, the, when she first ran first time out, I mean, she got left and she came with that big run and she got up on the line. Okay, that's not to, you know, most of Suge's horses, you know, they somehow they just don't show the majority of Suge. I'm not going to say all of his horses. The majority of Suge's horses, he, you know, he, he doesn't put too much pressure on them, you know, to get them to the races, you know, to be too quick early. So they'll fall out of there, you know, they'll make a run and, you know, they'll come in exactly what she did. I was really interested to see how she would develop when she went to Gulfstream. She did the same thing in the cash run. She kind of fell out of there. She got, you know, broke slow. She had some trouble. She came around the whole field and powered away. So that was kind of identical to what happened to her at Aqueduct in her first start. Then they gave her a little bit of time, came back in the Devona Dale. She did the same thing again. She was kind of laying back. Now, what's interesting about the Gulfstream Park Oaks, the last race, is that she has now figured out how to get into the races a little bit earlier. Now, and that combined with the obvious stretch kick that she has, and we all know she possesses, is a lethal combo to me because her getting her mind right early in races to put herself in the races earlier is just, I mean, that's, that was the last frontier for her that she needed to conquer, and I think she's been able to do that now. So her race, I mean, her progression and her getting a little bit more involved early is, is key. Now, Obviously, you know, she, she finally got the two turns. She handled it well. She ran by Goddess of Fire, and she was just getting going. If you look at that, she made a couple different moves that we touched on earlier with Cyberknife. She did that, you know, in the Goldstream Park Oak. She kind of made a move to get in there, and then she idled, and then she made another move to come when Goddess of Fire moved around the turn, and then idled, and then she had that other gear to keep going. So her progression has been amazing, and, and you know, the, obviously the talent is there. She, it doesn't look like she has distance limitations. So, you know, going a mile and an eighth, I don't think is going to hamper her. Um, you know, I, I really think Kathleen Noah is going to be very tough to beat in the Kentucky Oaks. You know, I'll give you an interesting price. But well, if you want to touch on Kathleen Noah, go ahead. If you have anything to say about her. Um, I'm not sure who she ran against in Florida. Um, I mean, Goddess of Fire comes out of fairgrounds running in the Turner Loose, and Turner Loose ran an absolute stinker next time out on the Rachel in the uh, Fairgrounds Oaks. And <clears throat> I always thought she was by far well below Nest, who was very impressive. Um, I, it, she's really laid back, even in her works, Kathleen O. And I'm just wondering if what you're talking about is not going to play well in the Oaks for her, if she does have a tendency to fall back or even get a little sticky and not, you know, be able to just go blow, blow by horses in the Kentucky, in the Kentucky Oaks, because that's a deep field. Now, 
you have a I, I think I got a feeling who you're gonna go to. Talk to me about this long shot you're you're thinking of. Well, this Philly, you know, this it's it's Shahama coming from uh, from Maidan. I, I, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You, I know you. I know you've seen the same things I've seen in her races over there, especially her race, you know, last time in the UAE Oaks, where she's had she's had her issues coming out of the gate, but from there, boy, can she run? I mean, she a she does it the way she did it in the UAE Oaks was impressive anywhere. That I mean, I know it was. And, you know, in Maidan, and you can also, you know, do that. I mean, you can also say the same thing for her as you can for Kathleen No, what was behind her. But you got to look at sometimes how they do it. And the way she did it was very impressive. When she broke slow and she sat back and she started to climb, it wasn't only that she broke slow. She didn't like that kickback in her face early after that. And she started to climb for a good, you know, 16th, maybe a quarter mile, heading onto the back strip. She finally settled down a little bit. And they, they took her out into the clear and she settled down. Now, the way she made ground after that was completely on her own. She circled the field in hand, went by everybody, waited a bit, and then at the eighth, they asked her to go again, and she went again. Um, so that was, you know, impressive, impressive a filly as I've seen coming into it. Now, you know, is it going to translate over here? Now she's with Todd. You know, she's had a little bit of time. You know, she was at Palm Meadows. I know she was in Florida. Now she's come over here. She's had a little bit of time to acclimate. Is, she, is that form and her progression going to continue into a race like this? I um, I went over and watched her races. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she's been very impressive. And, and in both of her last two starts, she made the lead and she started goofing off. And she was just waiting on other horses. So I don't know if she's got more to give. She most likely does have more to give. But when I watched her races, I thought that, uh, and, and she validated it for me in a work with Goddess of Fire where I went, who's that? I didn't, I didn't know who she was until I watched it. I said, who's, you know, Todd was standing right next to me and I didn't want to say, who the heck is that? You know? Uh, but uh, once you know, once the tab came on, you figure it out, and you see the video, and you go, "Okay, I, she's very, very interesting." And she has not played all of her hands. Uh, and you'll have to look at the sheet where I'll have her, but she is going to be on the sheet. And she's also, I mean, she's a good sized filly, Bruno. So you know, if she had to run to some some things, you can tell physically that you know she might be able to. She's not some skinny little thing. She's got. You know, a little bit of size to her, and and she's already overcome some adversity. Got a girth to her, yeah. She yeah. does have a big girth to her. She's not that big statue wise, but she's got a girth to her. She's got yes, some exactly. strength to her. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I've seen the same thing in the morning. Tipped me off of what I was going to see for in in the videos. What else are you? What else uh, are we talking about? You know, like you said, I mean, it is. You know, it is a deep. It is. It's a. It's probably one of the best Kentucky Oaks that I've seen in, in in quite some time. I mean, you can touch on the. You know, the depth of it with Secret Oaks. You know, you have Nest. You have Hidden Connection, who's already proven in the Pocahontas, kind of like a smile happy type. You don't know if she's gotten better or she's gotten worse from two to three. You know, but she's proven over the track. Um, you know, obviously Echo Zulu. I mean, what? How can you knock her? I mean, obviously her comeback race at Fairgrounds wasn't. You know. I don't know if it's not what you wanted to see. I mean, she 
she had things her kind of her own way up front and she, she held off hidden connection. It wasn't mind blowing, but it was a, a step, you know, in the, you know, step on her comeback. So Steve, it was kind of a, Rosario got into her late to hold on, but you know, Steve had a plan. So he gave her some time after that. Obviously Kathy, no, we've talked about, you know, we have the Shahama coming through. So the depth is there, even nostalgic. I, I was impressed with nostalgic, you know, at, at Aqueduct, how she came through inside of NT Valentine to win the gazelle. You know, like you were saying earlier, when you horse, certain horses, you know, don't like to pass inside, you know, they'll kind of wait there. And then, you know, they'll, they're kind of apprehensive about, hey, you should, oh, should I go through here? Should I not go through there? But she went through it and she overcame a slow pace. So yeah, it, it's, it, there's a lot of depth. You can go different directions. Ness's race in the Ashland. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, she was outside the entire trip and Irad made a concerted effort. She, it's not in the form, though. She, she got bumped pretty hard coming out of there. It wasn't an ideal start for her. And Irad kind of knuckled on her to, to get her into the race. And he made a concerted effort to take her to the outside. He wanted her in the clear. So he was okay with being stuck four wide, you know, three, four wide down the backside. And, you know, he, he was okay with that because he knew what he had under him. But when it was time to go, I mean, she did it. I mean, you say she was probably one of the most impressive horses of the Keeneland meet. You know, her Ashland was amazing. She, she drew away. Irad asked her to run for, you know, maybe a few hundred yards and she was gone. And she said was taken in hand late. So there's, it's hard to knock anything that she's done. So I, the depth there, is, you know, is, is definitely in this field, and it's, it's really, it's really one of the best that I've seen in quite some time. Let's talk about uh, Venti Valentine. Um, she's kind of caught my eye in the morning, uh, just the way she does things. Uh, what is, what was your thoughts about her? Her race in the Gazelle, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, she, she made the lead really easily. She broke right on the money. And Manny was, you know, Manny was able to cross, cross and clear pretty easily going into the turn. He was able to back it up. I mean, they went to the half in 49, you know, 49 and one, you know, he was well composed. She had her nice and composed down. He had her nice and composed down the backside. And, and then when it came to run, she wandered a little bit off the rail. They gave nostalgic that run. And then she was flat out outrun from there. You know, I mean, there, there's not really much of an excuse you can make for her. She had things her own way and, and she just got out. She's got flat out outrun by nostalgic. But you know she's. I mean, is, how, you can't really. Is she knock better her. with a target? Is she better she with a be. target? She she definitely could be because she's had one in her other races. So, but when she broke that well, I said Manny's kind of. You know, I don't know if he if he didn't want, but he was kind of maybe forced to go to the front. But I would have liked to see a little bit more fight in her. But that that's a good point though because she's had targets in her other races and she's kind of sat. So she could be one, you know, that that likes to sit a little bit more. And I I don't think, you know, she's fast enough to get obviously to get to the front in this race so she could she could move forward off of that race that's the only that's the only negative that i would have of her i would have liked to seen a little bit more fight but to counteract that you know maybe she didn't want to be up there and then she was kind of lost being up there so it's you can go both ways with her but you can't you can't really know she's ran four times she's you know she's run first and second in all four i mean and and uh and all five of her starts sorry she's three wins in two seconds so she's got some fight to her and she'll be a price What else do you have for us? I just, I, I've gone over most of this. Mo, mo, I mean, I've obviously gone over to all of these horses. And, and to me, it's going to, the Derby is, is, you know, the Derby is the Derby. And it's it's not some revelation that I'm going to come with. I mean, most likely if you get the best trip and you're in a, in a, in a good spot, you know, you're, you're going to be able to, you know, be the best horse in the end. And that's, you know, basically what it comes down to with that. You know, Messier, I, I, I don't know. He's probably another one that I touched at. Epicenter is one that I know that 
I mean, obviously, it's one of the favorites. And, you know, he has... Well, let's talk about Messier. Let's talk about Messier. Uh, Messier, to me, is the kind of horse that, when he's been hooked in the stretch, he's absolutely folded. If you look at his race last time uh, in in the Santa Anita Derby, there was a little issue for him coming out of the gate that wasn't too evident if, you, if you're just kind of glancing at the PPs, which I made mention of it. You'll see in, in, in the product that we put out. He was in a little bit of a chase mode after that. He kind of was, I think he kind of maybe sideswiped the gate out of there, and, and he wasn't as fast as Forbidden Kingdom because Forbidden Kingdom was going to get to the front no matter what. But he had to go after maybe Forbidden Kingdom a little bit more than he wanted to. I mean, he didn't want him to get too far away and, you know, at that point, he was kind of committed down the back side. And they were moving. I mean, they went 46-3, and three and he was close to that pace. And when he came to the stretch, obviously Taiba was, you know, was spinning a little bit off, and he was a fresh challenge and kind of warmed up. I do like that he did – he fought back on the inside when he kind of – he could have folded, and he fought back for, you know, until about the 16th and kind of gave it up. So he did show some fight, but he's one that he – if he doesn't get out there and doesn't get things his own way early – you know, it, it could be tough for him. I mean, I can go both ways with him. I can see that he ran deceptively a little bit better than it looks in the Santa Anita Derby, but at the same time, I don't know what kind of trip he's going to, because he's not, he's kind of in between, you know, he, he's not really that killer that can just sit off of you and then and, and go right on by. I think he does his best running if he's, you know, right up front. So it can go b- both ways with Messier, though. I, I will say that he did show, I, I, I was a little bit more than impressed watching the Sanity Derby the second time I went back and watched it, you know, because I thought he did show a little bit of fight and the stuff at the start as well. Yeah, because of his slowdown Andy defeat at La Salle, he had no excuse that day. He no, got he definitely by slowdown Andy in the stretch, who was all over the track, and, and, and Messier just seemed to be submissive in that spot. There was also a work prior to the Santa Anita Derby where he worked in, 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 um, he worked and he got, seemed like a couple of horses went after him. There was some horses waiting for him at the quarter pole. One of them was an Eddie Truman claiming horse. And, um, and you'll see it in the workout report on his work before the Santa Anita Derby. And, you know, the rider on, uh, on that Truman horse, was whipping and driving, waiting on Messier. And it wasn't like, I mean, Messier ran hard, but it wasn't like Messier dug down and said, I, you know, the heck with you, I'm going to draw away from you, which he should have, including on the gallop out. That horse was completely all over Messier. Um, and it kind of tells me a little bit that Messier likes to run with another horse in the stretch and doesn't really separate himself. When he's in the lead and he's turning for home, he seems to be a much different horse. Um, It'll be very interesting to see. Now, having talked about Messier, how about Taiba, who's been – the speculations around him have been all over the place. Uh, He did pull up on sound after his maiden win. I had a video of that. And he went on the bets list. And supposedly, a couple of days later, he was just fine. Um, what do you see with Taiba and his races, which we don't have a whole lot to go by? I mean, he's just, to me, he's done it on, on raw talent in his first two races. And he's, 
his race in the Santa Anita Derby, I, I, I kind of liked him going into that race, and I thought that he would run the race that he did. Now, having said that, what happened after that, I think with him is more of the question than anything else. I mean, the one work in between, and the one work in between, to me, was not not what I would have liked. I mean, I, I you know, he, he came up alongside, you know, in, 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 in company, and he just did not show that same spark. You know, I, I know that people have made uh, comments. With blinkers on, by the way, with blinkers yeah, on. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that people had made comments about the blinkers, you know, being at it all of a sudden. And, I, you know, I know he had worked in blinkers early in his career. He's run with no blinkers and his two starts. And I, that kind of threw me as well. I mean, it's a legitimate concern. Why all of a sudden are you putting him back on when he hasn't done anything wrong, you know, in his races? And why are you putting them back on? And he just – he didn't have that – same kick. He didn't have that same spark that I would have liked to see. He didn't put his, his work made away. It, it just was a lackluster work to me. And that's not, that's not what I want to see going into the Derby. That's not, I don't want to have any questions about, you know, any, any, I want to have questions about, Hey, is, is my horse going to get the trip? What is he going to do about this? I don't want to have any questions about what's my horse coming into the race. Like if he, you know, he's kind of iffy. That's what I don't like about Taiba. You know that, and that's and that's my main issue with him. And uh, to be honest, no, that's I'm, understandable. I, I would have wanted to see more. I, de- definitely I would have wanted, wanted to have seen more. more. Um, and he me, basically not, was was under pressure. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, to be completely honest, I'm when I play the race, I, I don't have him anywhere. I mean, I'm not using him after that race. If you look on paper, yeah, he he looks dynamic. I mean, his first two starts have been impressive, but. I don't like that time in between that last race. And like you touched on earlier, he came out of that first race. He was unsound. You know, he was on the best list. I don't know what happened after the Santa Anita Derby, but that wasn't the same horse that I saw, you know, work last week. It just something is, is amiss there. And I'm, he's just not for me, you know, to just surmise everything. Well, what, what, what goes on, you know, what's interesting, you know, is uh, a lot of the times people project what they want to see and what they think a horse is doing to what reality is. I'm seeing that right now with the two-year-olds in the Wesley Ward barn. They're getting hammered in the wagering. And for me, I'm looking on paper, I have all the works, and I'm like, where is this coming from? Yeah, you have to think morning. Yeah, it has to be off a reputation at that point when you get the general public that all they have to see is a trainer on on a program and just what has happened in the past, and they automatically go off of that. You know, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Oh, absolutely. There's a there's a race tomorrow on Wednesday, for people that are listening tomorrow, on Wednesday is a two-year-old race, and Wesley's eight to five. And I'm like, why? Those two horses have shown nothing in comparison to other horses in the field, yet they're eight to five. Uh, and I and, and I agree because that's what people are going to bet them to. Um, so it's really really interesting, you know. That, and, and people are going to bet Taiba on what they think he is because they're comparing him to Medina Spirit, to Justify, and all these other horses, and they're not looking at that individual at that individual and blocking everything out. So you're going to see money come on 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 that horse based on that. So, yeah. what else you got for us, Laz? Yeah, I mean that that's definitely. I I don't see twelve to one. I could see him maybe getting cut cut in half in that race. 
Um, you know, let's, Absolutely. let's talk a little bit. Of, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the other favorite. Let's talk a little bit about Epicenter. Um, you know, he's obviously you know his last two races. You know, what is there to knock? His progression again in Louisiana was was what, everything you want to see, though. You know, from the Gun Runner to the Lacombe to the Risen Star to the Louisiana Derby, he's step forward, step forward, step forward, step forward. Now, I will say, in the Risen Star, he, you know, he, he went to the, what I do like about that is in the Risen Star, you know, in, and in the Lacombe, he showed that he's got the quickness. He showed that he can go out there. He showed he can basically run them off their feet, you know, slow down and then kick home and do that. Uh, I, I'm sorry, in the, in the Risen Star. But then the Louisiana Derby, this is another thing that, that I'm sure that they had talked about between Joel and Steve. Let's see if he can, you know, if he can do the same thing. You know, uh, just let's see if he can do something different. I mean, let's see if he can sit a little bit off. And when they came out of there, Rosario broke running, but he looked over and he saw that, that Florent was going to go with Zozos. And he said, okay, go ahead. He took back. He, you know, he, he just let him go. He sat back. He sat a good trip, you know, kind of tucked in behind where you want to be, you know, in the little pocket there. But when it came time to go, you know, he, he ran and he just blew by him. You know, he showed that burst. Kind of, it was kind of like a turf race. You know, he got tucked in, he came out, you know, uncovered, and he just blasted by. So he's shown he can do it both. He's shown he can be the quickness to go wire to wire, and now he's shown that he can sit a little bit off and he can do the same thing. So it's, it's hard to knock anything that Epicenter's done. And, you know, I, I'm interested to see what you think about, you know, how he's been doing since then because it's been, it's been since the end of March. You know, he, he's gotten that gap, you know, and now he's had some time since then. And, you know, how has he been doing work-wise? coming into now off of form wise, you know, he's there. How has he been doing since then? Well, what we're going to do, and I'm, you're going to join me on the, on the, the Derby and Oaks zooms in the next two days on Wednesday and Thursday, which is great. We're going to talk about all of this. I'm going to show a video that of gun runners, fairgrounds, Louisiana Derby and epicenter. Have you gone back and taken a look at the gun runner? Louisiana Derby? I have not done that, no. I would recommend doing that. And anybody out there, go do that. And then watch the epicenter. You can basically put one on top of the other, and it's identical. Except Gunrunner was a little bit more immature and unseasoned in the stretch than epicenter was. So I'm going to... On the Zoom, I'm going to discuss my conversation with Scott Blasey. I texted him about that. And people would be amazed at what he said. And with Epicenter, a lot of people don't understand. Now he's had five weeks. Steve has had to train him different than he had to train any other horse in any other derby. Or maybe he hasn't because some of them might have run in the bluegrass or or, you know, in other races where it was a shorter time period between the Derby and their prep, the last prep. What Epicenter is five weeks, so he's had to do things different. And I'm going to cover that and why I think that's going to affect his chances uh, and what we had to see. But um, that's going to be an interesting topic to talk about on the, on the Zoom that I'm looking forward to having you on. Um, we'll keep that for our Zoom um, uh, uh, subscribers. Anyway, that's, that's awesome. um, what else do you have? 
you know, not to get too, not to start to get too negative, but I, I'd like to bring up, uh, we talked about Taiba, how I'm not too keen on him. You know, another one that I'm not too keen on, and if you go just looks on paper, you know, you would think that, you know, wow, this is this is a must use. This, for me, is White Barrio. I mean, I, 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 his Florida Derby, I mean, he got it done, but he, he, he couldn't have asked for, you know, a, a better trip. You know, he sat right where he needed to be. We had touched on earlier. Tyler kind of road charged it as well and put him where he didn't want to be. Simplification, maybe didn't want to be up front. It maybe wasn't the toughest Florida Derby of all time, but my issue primarily with White Barrio is how much farther does he want to go? It was a mile and an eighth in the Florida Derby. He wasn't exactly kicking on, you know, coming under the wire, receiving, you know, a, a pretty decent trip. It wasn't like he was he was really reaching late. And I don't know about that, you know, the extra, you know, added real estate that he's going to get now. I don't know how much farther he wants to go. And he's going to be, you know, probably top five picks. So he's going to take some money. He'll be one of the choices. And he's kind of he, – he's coming into a little bit of a negative for me, though. I, he hasn't really – knocked my socks off, you know, off of that race. So he's one that it also will not be on, on, on any of my tickets. He's a neat horse. But uh, having been a, a a very much a race day fan, I bred to him um, a couple of times. Um, it's great to see him have a good horse. Uh, race day was basically a miler to a mile on a 16 horse for Todd Fletcher. Uh, he never got a chance, um, you know, to really go and stretch out. But he was also a cut below a lot of horses. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I thought White Barrio, Tyler Gasleone schooled uh, Luis Saez in that race. And it wasn't Luis' fault. You know, his horse was unseasoned. But uh, I was very, very impressed the way the way Tyler rode him. And, and give him every opportunity. He basically knew who he had to be. And, he, you know, he kind of had done the same thing in the Fountain of Youth to Emmanuel the time the, the race before with, um, with a horse that wasn't all that good, um, uh, AP Secret. And he had come over out of the gate. He took out Emmanuel. Then he went out and then he, you know, and, 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 and basically tried to uh, – yeah, put Emmanuel in the same spot. So Tyler is very good at messing with other horses um, and playing. He's not going to be able to mess with 19 other horses in the Derby. Um, so it'll be very interesting. And he's not going to get that same trip. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he is as well. Um, to go through maybe another contender would be Mo Donegal. Um, he. he Aside from a little issue at the gate, he could not have gotten a better trip in the woods. I know they were, I mean, they were going, you know, a, a moderate tempo up front, early voting. You know, obviously Morello didn't break, so that changed the complexion early. Early voting was able to go out there and, and, and kind of throw out some even splits, and he was doing it, you know, on his own. Mo Donegal was far back early, but he, you know, he, Rosario, was, you know, he gave him about a, a greater ride as you can put on a horse. I mean, he hit all the, the right, he came off the fence one time, around the turn and then in the stretch he, he got back to the rail and then he came out and, and nailed early voting so well Donegal I'm a, I could go either way on him I mean he's he, he won the Remsen you know he, he looks like he can you know he has no problem with the distance he's, he's going to be coming but he couldn't have gotten a better trip in that wood and he, he got up but he didn't he didn't really flash home you know kick on like you really want to see it he seems like he could be I don't want to say a one pace type but he's 
he doesn't have that instant acceleration that, that he would, you know, that you would love to see on a horse. I mean, he's more of a, of a grinder type, which is fine. I mean, I'd love to own him. He's, you know, already made over, well over half a million dollars. So, but as far as a horse. He's a neat horse. He's a neat horse. He's a neat horse that tries hard. He could be a horse you use underneath uh, with Modonical. And we're going to go over all of this stuff. Wednesday night, um, Oaks. We're going to talk about the Oaks on our Zooms. And on Thursday, we do the Derby card. Brian Lazarico is going to join us. Uh, the cost of all of that, and you get all the products all week long, is $99.95. You get both Oaks and Derby products with all the workouts. You get the visual. And let's say you can't make it uh, on, on Thursday. You've got some other things going on. Well, you're going to get the replay to be able to watch it. So you can go to racingwithbruno.com, go down to the Dace products, and it's right there, and um, get on board. And we will get you all the information. We send out the invites via email. All your products become emails, uh, are going to be sent through email. That way you don't have to go anywhere to do anything. They'll come to you. Brian, thank you for your uh, last hour that you've given us. I look forward to seeing you at the Zoom. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody else in the Zoom. Brian Lazarica has, has been with us. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Bruno. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the 